and I'm super excited to be here. I brought some tall folk to come hang out with us. And the idea is that we'd see what's going on in your class. So, you know, we've been watching. And on Tuesday nights, we hear testimonies about what's going on in the high school class. We're like, man, that's cool. We hear you guys leading praise and worship, and we're super encouraged. And so we're like, hey, we should just pop in, see what's going on in this high school class. And the, the goal is that, that some of us w- would grow burdened uh, to, to hang out with you more, that some of us would want to, to partake in mentorship, that some of us would see what's going on and see how cool Jeff is and see how cool Brock is, and that we'd want to join this ministry to be a part of what's going on in, in the high school ministry. So that, that's part of it. And, and the other part is that we want to call you guys to engage in the mission. And so I help uh, with our missions team here at MBT, and we desire for the high school class to be an integral part about missions here at MBT. And as some of you are like, man, I don't even have a passport. How can I engage in, in world missions? Well, you guys are actually the perfect demographic, right? You guys are the perfect people in our church to be a part of the mission. Uh, right now, you guys don't have anything holding you back. To the best of my knowledge, you know, none of you are incarcerated yet. Man, <laughs> praise the Lord. None of you are in jail. None of you are in massive amounts of debt. Is anybody in, in debt? Super, super amounts of debt? No, only you. So that's only one. That's pretty good. And man, you guys have your whole lives in front of you. So instead of saying, man, what career do I want for myself to, to make me rich, to, to please myself? You could say, man, I know college is coming up. And, and what career, what kind of education can I invest in that would bring God the most glory? Right? You guys are in a point where it's not going back and having to, to redo things so that God could get glory out of your life. You could say, man, I want to give the rest of my life to, to Jesus Christ. And that's a really exciting place to be. And that's a really incredible place to be. And so uh, we've got uh, a ministry principle here that every member is a minister. And so if you consider yourself to be a, a member here at MBT, if this is your, your church home, then I'm calling you out. You're, you're here to be a minister. And, and we're all about discipleship, right? And, and the end goal of discipleship is missions. And, and the end goal of missions is discipleship. And so you're in the, 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 the circle now. And so we want you to be 100% engaged in what's going on in worldwide missions. And you guys are the perfect people uh, to, to engage in this. And so uh, before we dive in, man, you know, it's exciting. We're talking about missions. And guess what? I mean, you guys are already engaged in missions. People like, like Taylor Scheidt, this is going to be, this, is this your last Sunday here? Um, it's my last Sunday. It's your last Sunday here because you're moving to Costa Rica, right? Oh, I'm sorry. It was your last Sunday here, right? Yeah, it was last Sunday. Okay, that's exciting. So, you know, you and your family have counted the cost and said, hey, what we're doing here, we can do elsewhere, right? And we can invest in, in people and children that, that don't all look like us, that don't all speak the language that we speak in. But God's worth, you know, the inconvenience of moving halfway across the world or down south or wherever else. And that's exciting. And so we want to be praying for that. I'm going to pray really quickly as we dive into our message and just pray for that transition. And we'll talk a little bit about missions here at MBT and how you guys can engage in that. And then we're going to dive into Mark chapter 6. Actually, chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And so, Lord, we we do thank you for this time. And we thank you, uh, man, for for Jesus. Uh, And that life uh, is bigger than making a paycheck. Life is bigger uh, than the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, uh, which is a pretty big deal. Uh, But... Uh, we get to engage in a mission so much bigger than that. And so we just pray that you 
uh, would just prick our hearts and, um, man, that we'd uh, re- receive your word and see where we fit into to this big mission of yours, Lord. Uh, we pray for the Shites as they're moving to Costa Rica, uh, that that would be just a smooth transition, uh, that you'd bless that, and that they'd be fruitful, uh, that, that you would get glory out of their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so here at MBT, we have a mission structure. And I want to make that very, very clear, what our structure is and how you guys fit into it. And so it's a three-pronged structure. And that means that we support missionaries. That would be the, the first part of that structure as we do mission support. And this is very, very easy for you to engage in. Because for you to engage in supporting missionaries means praying for missionaries, right? And so every other month we have a missionary prayer night. And we get together as a body and we split into groups. And, and we do just that. We, we learn about what's going on in ministries all over the world right, from India to London to to Spain, all these exciting places, to Israel, and we get together and we simply bring that before the Lord. And it's a really exciting thing to do. It's very encouraging. Uh, Our missionaries, they they feel that and they're so thankful for that. They rely on our prayers. Uh, And, you know, during those missionary prayer nights, now we've got a newsletter where you take home with you. And now you can know throughout the week and throughout the months how you could be praying for specific missionaries in specific different places all over the world. And that's something that you can own. That's something that you can do. Uh, the next way that we support missionaries is through finances. Right? We want to be a part of funding the gospel going all over the world. And I know some of y'all have jobs. right? Some of y'all are making a paycheck. Some of you guys have an allowance. And we have the privilege, me, Brock, you, all of us to, to help be a part of funding the mission going out all across the world. And so we invite you to, to give sacrificially. You're like, man, I've been saving up for this game, right? I've been saving up for, I don't know, what, what do you guys save up? Makeup? Is that a thing? Jewelry? I work at a jewelry store. You can save up for some, some nice jewelry, right? No, I'm off. That's not it. Okay, but... You know, you guys have things that you want to save up for. I'm saying that the mission is worth investing in, right? We get to invest in lives being transformed all over the world. And so uh, different ways that you could uh, support, uh, faithfully picking a missionary and supporting them every month, right? Me and Lisa, we, we have missionaries that every month we just give to because we're invested in their ministry. It's cool. The Bible says that wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. And so as we invest financially, Man, our hearts are tied to that work. And when we hear how God's moving there, we get super excited because we know that we're investing in that. And our dollars aren't just dollars. They're investing in the souls and lives of people. And that's exciting for us. And so whenever those missionaries come, we make a point to, to, to meet with them and to talk with them. And we're excited to, to hear about it. And then they know us and, and we know them. And now we want to go over there. And we can't wait to get to, to, to Boston. We can't wait to get to, to Costa Rica because we're invested in those works. And we're inviting you to be a part of that. Uh, you know, other ways that you could invest financially would be just do kingdom funds. You're like, man, I don't know what missionary to give to. It's daunting. We've got all these amazing missionaries all over the world. Which one should I choose? Well, you could just, in, you know, invest in missions here at MBT. And then the missions team would say, hey, man, there's need over here. And they would decide where the need is and give that way. Uh, there's also opportunities as emergencies come up. Just last year uh, in El Salvador, we've got a, a sister church out there. There's a horrible hurricane, and it flooded the, the whole city, uh, and they had a lot of members of their church that uh, were without homes for a season, uh, that uh, didn't have food, 
Uh, it was during COVID, so it was a hurricane flooding on top of COVID and there are medical emergencies and they were just in need. And so because we're faithful givers here at MBT, we were able to respond immediately and say, hey, we see your need. And so we just want to send some, some, some dollars your way so that you could put this to use however it's going to be most effective in your community. And man, that was a blessing to them. And so these are some of the different ways that we support our missionaries. Um, next, uh, we go on missions trips. So this is the third or the second prong of our mission structure. First, we support missionaries. Second, we go on missions trips. And this is something that you can engage in as well, right? Hopefully there are going to be some opportunities where as a class we can get away and go to places like Boston and maybe even Tampa to support uh, some of the, the church plants that we've sent out. Uh, but we go on mission trips for a variety of reasons here at MBT, right? We go to encourage our brethren, right? So right now, uh, have you, you guys know Pastor Best? Yes. Pastor Best, Chris and Christine, they're visiting Boston and Tampa. They're not visiting Boston and Tampa because they're cheering for the Buccaneers, right? They're not visiting uh, because these places need them and they need them to preach. They're going there because these are brothers and sisters and we love them. And so they just need to be encouraged. And so every once in a while, we're going to show up and just treat them to a meal and check in to see how they're doing and to tell them, hey, we love you. Hey, we're, we're praying for you. Hey, we see you, right? Just to love on them. And that's huge. That's an encouragement to them to, to continue in the work, to continue to be faithful. We also go to help with outreach, right? And so there are new churches in Boston. There, there are churches that we've planted in Tampa. And they're trusting God to reach their city. And, man, we want to learn to be evangelists, right? We want to be trained at, at winning souls and being fishers of men. And so we partner with them and say, hey, can we come out to, to Boston so we could go evangelize at, at Harvard's campus? Can we go to, to Boston so we can go evangelize at, at MIT or Tufts or, or Boston University? And we can reach people that are like us, uh, that are different than us, that are smarter than us. And we could preach the foolishness of the gospel and trust God to move in the hearts and lives of people there. And so we go to, to help with evangelism and outreach. Uh, sometimes we go to, to train leaders. Uh, this is something that I've been privileged to be a part of. We go to places like Malawi and we train on discipleship. Uh, just last year, I was in India, and, and me and a small team got to go and, and help to train pastors, right? And so sometimes we go just to train pastors, uh, and that's all exciting. And, and these are things that, that you can be a part of and that we want you to be a part of. And so as we go on mission trips, we, we post that on the website, we announce that to the body. And if these are things that you want to engage in, man, we, we want you to get on the field. We want you to see the field, to see what's going on. And see that, man, what you're doing here is what we're doing elsewhere. And it's worth investing in. And especially once you see lives transformed when you go somewhere else and you see uh, the, the power of the gospel working in and through others, it's exciting to go to a place that doesn't look like us, that doesn't sound like us, culturally that, that, that's backwards and doesn't make any sense to us, and see that the world's actually getting a lot smaller, but God's getting a lot bigger. Because the same God that we serve here, man, we get to serve anywhere. It's awesome. It's exciting. And then the third prong of the, the mission structure is missions preparation. That means that we're invested not just in supporting missionaries elsewhere, but making sure, man, I'm looking at a crowd, and man, I'm trusting God that all of you would be missionaries. We're invested in equipping members to minister. And that means that all of us need to engage in that work, right? And so what does that look like? Uh, missions preparation looks like this. It looks like being a member at MBT. 
As you come on Sunday morning, as you engage in Bible study, you're learning the Word of God for yourself. And if you allow it to, it's going to penetrate your heart and it's going to completely transform you, right? It's going to be awesome. You're going to be a different person. People are going to look at you and be like, man, you look a lot like Jesus. And that's what we want to see. That's what we want to hear. It looks like being in, in, in Bible study and learning how to get handles on the Word of God for yourself. And so you're not just being ministered to. Now you're in a position where you're equipped to minister to other people, right? It looks like being a part of mentorship, being a part of discipleship, being a part of cost of discipleship, uh, of, of D2, of LFBI, training and learning your Bible in such a way that you can be a minister. Um, we, we have a missions prep uh, team. And so some of us are part of that where, uh, you know, instead of just attending church and being here, we realize that God is a calling on our life, right? Some of us know even right now that God's called me to be a missionary. And so how do you get from point A, where you're sitting here in the pew, to, to point B, where you're in Saudi Arabia sharing the gospel in a place that, that speaks Arabic, that's not open to Christianity, uh, that, that you need some kind of visa to get into? How do you go from sitting here to getting there? Well, we're invested in helping you figure that out. And so this is a practical, tactical setting where we get together monthly for accountability and we work out the specific details about how we can get each other on the mission field. That looks like training. Do you know your Bible? There are 66 books in here. Do you know every single one of them? Right? You need to learn your Bible if you're going to effective, be effective over there. Uh, do you have your finances in order? If you're going to move halfway across the world, you can't just move halfway across the world. There, there are things that you need to get set up in your life, right? Uh, to, to have proper finances, uh, to have a career that can translate to, to India, to, to Pakistan, to, to wherever. <clears throat> do you have ministry experience? Uh, do you know how to, to, to minister cross-culturally? How's language a- a- acquisition going? You know, there are practical details that we need to start working out. And so we as a body are invested in making sure that our members are equipped for that work. And that starts here, and that starts now. And guess what? That's something that you can be a part of. If you know right now, man, God has called me to be a missionary, we want you to be a part of those mission prep dinners. Yes, high schoolers, we want you to be a part of those mission prep dinners. That happens once a month. And we talk about practical and tactical ways to get to the mission field. And this is exciting because you get to see people that are in the shoot, people that are training. You get to learn from from their experience. You get to learn from their mistakes. And maybe you realize, hey, I'm actually not ready for this yet. But it's cool to to come to see what's happening as people are. We've got a team right now that's trusting God to, to move to Vietnam. And we get to be right now in the very, very midst of seeing that transition take place. And we're inviting you to come in and to learn from their experiences so that when God moves you to who knows where, that, that you're ready and you're trained and you're equipped. <clears throat> and last, we've got a church planters meeting. And this is where we, we meet up monthly uh, with, with uh, infling works, right, with these tiny baby works, and, and we lift them up in prayer. And these are teams that are already on the field. These are people that are in Dallas. These are people that are in Denver. These are people that are in Kenya and Vietnam. And they've already separated from the body, but, but they haven't grown to a fully matured church yet. And so we get together uh, to pray, to encourage them, to provide fellowship, uh, to talk through tactical ways to, to plant a church uh, to, with people that have already relocated to d- different places. It's awesome on a Saturday morning to meet up with people. And, you know, they're in Hong Kong, and they're in Vietnam, and they're in Kenya, and they're in Dallas. They're all over the world, and we get to meet up and to pray together and just to encourage each other. 
And so we're invested in making sure that this Bible, that this Word of God uh, goes to the uttermost, right? And Psalm 19 talks about how the, the heavens declare the glory of God day after day, right? And, and we're about declaring the Word of God. We're, we're taking notes from the heavens. They do such a good job of it. Uh, and I'm happy to, to report that MBT is a generous and a fruitful church in every sense of the word. We're equipping leaders. We've planted three churches. How cool is that? We've got a church in Lee Summit. We've got a church in Tampa. We've got a church in Boston. Uh, we, we've got sister churches in places like Costa Rica, right? Iglesia del Norte. Uh, and uh, we're trusting God for more. Uh, we're, we're trusting God for churches in Vietnam. We're trusting God for, for churches in places like Dallas and Denver. Uh, we're currently supporting more than 25 works literally all over the world, right? We're, we've got missionaries and, and works that we support all over the world from, from uh, you know, South America, uh, Central America, North America, Africa, Asia, Europe, literally all over the world. Uh, more than 25 works. It's incredible. We support through prayer. We, we support through fellowship, literally just knowing them and loving them and encouraging them. Uh, we support through, through financial contributions. Uh, we, we help with, with missionary training. We even help transitioning missionaries off the field. Right? There are members in our body that previously were, were in parts of the world like Egypt, that were in parts of the world that, like, like South America and Central America, that were in parts of the world that, like, like Pakistan. And for whatever reason, they've had to transition back to the United States. And that's part of missions is helping them with that transition, helping them come back and enter into a society and a culture that, that's very, very different than the one that they're in. Have you guys ever, you know, saw movies or uh, heard stories about soldiers that were at war? And they come back with, with PTSD, right? And they come back, uh, and, and life's just so different here than it was over there. They, they got accustomed to a life that was uh, just crazy. Well, that's how a lot of our missionaries are. They were in the, the spiritual trenches, right, of, of warfare. They're on the front lines, and they come back. And the culture is different than they remember it. Their, their friends are different. People don't understand the experiences that they're going through. And they have having to transition back into life in the States, but also ministry in the States. We want to help to make sure that's a smooth process. And so there's a lot going on uh, in, in the world's emissions here at MBT. Currently, just under 40% of our annual revenue is directed immediately towards missions. And, and the heart and the goal of our pastor is that for every dollar that comes in, 50% of that would immediately go back out the door to invest in kingdom work all over the world. That's exciting. That's a big deal. Our congregation is actively going, uh, you know, all over the world. In 2020, uh, a year where the world shut down, we sent uh, a number of people uh, all, over the, all over the world. Uh, in February, or yeah, January of 2020, I was in India before the whole world shut down. And since then, we've been able to send people to help support uh, ministries and works even happening in the States. Um, and we're expecting to send uh, a lot more as the, the world opens back up. <clears throat> and with all this being said, we're interested in your class being a part uh, of the mission, uh, of, of domestic missions, of, of foreign missions. Uh, and so the, the, the question is, you know, how are you guys going to get involved? What does that look like for you? And I would say that it starts by supporting missions. Uh, by giving to missionaries, by, by sending letters of encouragement to them, uh, and just loving them, uh, to pray regularly for them, uh, practically uh, ask Jeff uh, to give direction on, on what it looks like to start a Bible study. 
man, I bet Jeff would be so encouraged if he came up to him and said, hey, man, I just got to burn for people. I know that I need to open up this book with them. It's going to transform their life. How, how do I start a Bible study? Man, I'm sure Jeff will meet you there. I'm sure Nate will meet I'm sure that the Raps will meet you there, right? This is exciting. Uh, so learn how to, 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 to get a, uh, a handle on your book. Uh, start Bible studies. Uh, engage in the mission right in front of us. Um, yeah, if you're not doing it here, you're not going to be effective anywhere else, right? If you can't study the Bible here, if you can't meet people here, whenever you move halfway across the world and you have to learn a different culture, having to learn a different language, uh, and, and all the stresses of that type of transition, if you're not doing it here, then, man, you're never going to do it over there. Uh, so we need to learn how to engage in cross-cultural missions. Have you guys ever heard of Friends of International? You guys know that that's not a Kaya organization? You know that as high schoolers that you could be a part of the Friends of International Ministry, that you could meet people from all over the world here in Kansas City and learn about culture, learn about food, about language, about preaching the gospel and giving the gospel to people that, again, come from very, very different cultural uh, backgrounds. You can uh, learn about culture, and it's exciting. And we want you to be a part of that. And so if you guys have questions about, man, God is calling me to be a missionary. God's calling me to more, and I know it, but I don't know what those next steps look like. Well, I'm here to invite you to engage in the mission. And the mission's here, the mission's now, and the mission's right in front of you. And so if you're saying, man, I know that, that, that I, I need to, to be involved in foreign missions. Well, get with Jeff, get with me. We'd love to, to invite you to, to an FOI event. We've got Bible studies that meet throughout the week. But we also do really, really cool activities on the weekends. We do things like conversational English. And this is meeting with people that, again, English isn't their first language. And so they come to, to the United States, and their English isn't perfect, and they're insecure about it, because they need time to, to practice it. And so we just meet up, and we, we practice English, and we do different activities and events and exciting. But all the while, you're getting to meet people from, from different parts of Asia, Southeast Asia, India, um, <clears throat> Africa, uh, and just getting to, 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 to practice English with them. And that provides opportunities for you to, to engage, to learn about different cultures, different backgrounds. Uh, but also to build relationships on which the gospel can go forward. It's exciting. And so all that to say, uh, we want you to be a part. Uh, we'd love to invite you to, to mission prep dinners so that you can meet and learn from others that are preparing to go, to get wise counsel uh, on practical and tactical steps that you could be taking now to prepare for missions. Man, I'd love to sit down and talk to you about, you know, what would be, you know, I'm, I'm a senior in high school, I'm going to college. Where should I go? What should I study? Like we could talk practical, tactical details about what's going to set your life up for God to get the most glory out of it, right? And so as you have questions about that, if you're realizing today that, man, missions isn't something in the future, missions isn't something for radical, crazy people like James Five to go halfway across the world, missions is for me, man, come, come talk to me. Again, come talk to your counselors because the goal here is that starting now, not later, starting now, that you guys would have that mindset and start engaging in the mission. Again, every member is a minister here. And so every member here needs to be a part of publishing this word all over the world. And so we want you to find your fit in that. And if that wasn't compelling enough, then hopefully the word of God will be. So you guys find Mark chapter 5? Hey, Brayden, can you do like a woohoo? Like, I need some. Woo! Yeah. Let's get it. Yeah, let's get another one. Joel, let's hear a woo. Joel, come on. Yeah. Louder. Oh, that's weak. Jesse, can I, can I get some? Yeah. 
So the Word of God is the most exciting book that you'll ever read in your entire life. And this is something to get hyped about. This is exciting. This is fun. And we're about to mo- read the most exciting passage that I've read so far this year. Mark chapter 5, man, Jesus has taken his disciples on a mission trip. And it's crazy. It's exciting. It has all the elements that we like about going on mission trips, right? Uh, they're, they're about to cross cultural barriers, right? They're going to the Gadarenes. This is not Jewish territory. So you're going to a different culture, to a different place, right? They're, they're, they're crossing religious barriers, right? When I went to India, everybody there, for the most part, outside of some of the pastors that we were meeting with, they're, they're Hindu in, in their upbringing. So that's a religious barrier that we're crossing when we go to, to India. Jesus and his disciples, they're, they're crossing geographic barriers, right? They're crossing a sea. They encounter storms. Whenever you go on mission trips, you get on a plane, right, and get over the the, the ocean, maybe cross state boundaries, maybe cross uh, country boundaries, right? Uh, but this is all the makings of an incredible mission trip. They're crossing cultural, religious, and geographic barriers. They face spiritual opposition on their way, and it results in a man being freed from spiritual bondage. This is an exciting story. And this really happened, y'all. This really, really happened. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. It's about to completely wreck your world if you let it. And so guys, I hope you came this morning with expectation to hear from God. This is the word of God. This is the most important book ever published over 2,000 years, and we still have it. And it tells us about things that are still to come, right, prophetically. It tells us about things historically, and it tells you about yourself. This book knows you better than you know yourself, right? And we get to engage with it. So in verse 1, it says, And they came over into the other side of the sea, and the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Stuff's about to go down. Who had uh, his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had uh, been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him. And the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. And he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about two thousand, and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled, and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devils, and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devils, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was come to the ship, 
Uh, he that had possessed with the devils prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion to thee. And he departed and began to, to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men marveled. Whoa, that's a, that's a lot going on, right? So in this passage, Jesus has taken his disciples on their first mission trip. And, and the key picture here is that this is a model for us of the mission that God has called us to. Right? That's the key picture. This is a, a model for us of the mission that God's called us to. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, then he's called you to a mission. And this mission is to share the gospel, uh, to make disciples of those who respond, and to equip them to reproduce ministry everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. And we talk about this a lot. And uh, the, the, the big point here is to make sure that this isn't just an idea, right? This has to go from theory and concept to practical application in our lives. How are you actually living this out on the day-to-day? So before we dive into the passage, uh, let's just take some time to consider the background. Let's consider the context of what's going on here, right? Jesus, he's established himself as an incredible teacher in Israel. He, he's a miracle worker in Israel. And with this, he's amassed an incredible crowd of followers uh, that, that follow him everywhere he goes. Uh, he's viewed as a threat to the religious rulers of the time for challenging their, their traditions. And, and all the while, we see that men are joining themselves to the work of Jesus, right? And these are common men that follow Jesus, and he ordains them to be his disciples. In chapter 4, Jesus just finished teaching, and as the evening was coming... He says to his disciples, let us pass over to the other side. And so they're they're teaching on one side of the sea. And after he wraps up teaching for the day, he says, all right, let's go to the other side. And so the disciples and Jesus, they get into a boat and they begin to pass over to the other side. And as they're passing over in the boat, they encounter a storm. And the winds start to blow and and the waves start to, to beat on the ship. And the ship starts to take on water. And so much so that the disciples, they become fearful. They're scared for their lives, right? The boat's about to sink. <clears throat> and, and, and they remember uh, that, that Jesus is with them, right? Uh, these are common men, uh, but, but most of them, by trade, they would have been fishermen, right? And they would have spent their entire lives on and around the water. And they'd be familiar with, with the weather patterns, and they'd be skilled at navigating the sea. And so for this storm to put fear in their eyes, this is a pretty big deal. This is a vicious storm. And all the while, where was Jesus? In verse 38, we read that Jesus, while these fishermen, while these common men, while these disciples are, are, are traumatized and scared at this water coming into their ship, they're scared that they're going to sink and drown. Jesus is chilling, y'all. This dude is snoozing on a pillow, right? Verse 38, Jesus is snoozing on a pillow as the ship's sinking. And so the disciples, they quickly, they wake him up in fear for their lives. And Jesus wakes up and he's not scared, right? He's not worried about drowning. He's just disappointed. He, he lazily gets up, right? And he casually walks out and he rebukes the wind. And he turns to his disciples and he starts rebuking them, right? The, the wind sees at the, 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 the words of Jesus. And then he talks to his disciples and he starts rebuking them because of their lack of faith, right? He said, hey, I told you we were going to the other side, right? Why are you worried? Chill out. And so why am I sharing this story with you? Uh, because often we read the Bible out of context, right? We, we jump in at chapter 5 and we see this demoniac and we see these crazy things that are going on and we forget 
that this all takes place uh, as a continuation of what started in chapter 4, right? And the point is that the mission, it didn't start in chapter 5 when they, they met this demoniac. It didn't start in chapter 5 when they met this man with legions, with many devils that, that greeted them on the shore. It started in chapter 4 when Jesus calls his disciples to follow them. And so key point number one, the mission began when you chose to follow Jesus. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, the mission doesn't begin whenever you get on the plane or you get on the other side, when you get to, to India, when you get to, to Costa Rica. It doesn't start when you get to, to your classroom. The mission started when you confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, yeah. right? Yeah. Key point number one, the mission began when you chose to follow Jesus. Did you know that the point of your salvation, God has called you to the most incredible rescue mission of all time? The most incredible rescue mission of all time. We, we've got a world full of people that are destined to hell. They're destined to, to eternity separate from God, to torment. And he saved your soul that you might be able to save others. That you could take part of the most incredible rescue mission of all time. And guess what? There are chicken exits. For those of you that are intimidated by storms, there's a way out. There's chicken exits. But remember, if you identify as a disciple of Jesus, then he's called you to an incredible mission. And part of that uh, is knowing that, that Jesus is in the ship with you. Right? He's called you to a mission, but he didn't call you to do it by yourself. Jesus is there. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, this is the Great Commission. And the, the most sweet, the, the most precious part of this is him saying, and behold, I am with you always. Oh, man, we don't have to do it alone. Jesus is with us. You see, our mission requires the working of someone greater than us. Right? There's nothing that we can do. It's by God's power that we accomplish anything, that this work gets done. The, the disciples, they couldn't, you know, throw out enough water in the ship to, to make it across the sea. It required Jesus Christ, the Son of God, someone more powerful, someone greater than them, to, to, to step forward. And so in the midst of opposition, we need not wait to seek the Lord. It's funny, the disciples, they weren't concerned where Jesus was until they were scared that they were about to drown, right? He was on the boat the whole time. They didn't care where he was until their, their lives were at threat. Uh, but ultimately, we see that they did the right thing. Uh, they could have turned around. They could have gone back to a place that was safe, to a place that was familiar. But instead, they consulted the Lord. And, and in a time of dire need, he provided peace, and he provided clear direction to move forward. In a time of dire need, they consulted the Lord, and he provided peace and clear direction to move forward. But this storm, it was no regular storm. Again, these were fishermen, Right? They would have been familiar with the weather. They would have been familiar with the water. Uh, the storm was direct opposition to the work that God had for his disciples. Mm. That happens in our lives, doesn't it? Yeah. These storms come out of nowhere in our lives, and we don't know why it's happening. Uh, but it was direct opposition to the work that God had for his disciples. And we can't let the storms in our lives knock us off course. So often God has an incredible work for us to do that we never see because we couldn't endure the ways, right? Because we couldn't endure the winds. Understand that the mission doesn't go unchecked. If you're engaging in the mission, it's not going unchecked. I was telling you guys about uh, the, the last mission trip I went to, to India. And we got there. It was awesome. We were training pastors. We were teaching uh, the Old Testament. So these pastors, they love Jesus. They love the Word of God. Uh, but they don't have training. They don't have the resources that we have here uh, to, to, to learn the Word of God for themselves in a way that takes them deeper in the Word. And so they've invited us out three times a year for them to get training on the Bible. And it's incredible. We see literally 100, 120 pastors that come out. And they do this. They attend upon the Word all day. Can you imagine for 10 hours just sitting 
and listening to someone teach you the word of God. That's hard work. But guys, they've got their pencils ready and they're just scribbling. They can't get enough of it, right? And and while we're doing this, uh, Christianity isn't the most popular in India, right? It it goes against the status quo. Uh, The the president of India, he's pushing a a Hinduism regime that's pushing out uh, other religions. And he's trying to, to purify India, basically. And so we're preaching the word of God and word gets around. And next thing you know, we get a knock on our hotel door and the authorities are there. And they take our passport and they actually take us uh, and they, t- they detain us for an entire day. Oh man, that's a storm. We didn't expect that. That derailed the things that, that we were planning. But man, instead of saying, man, this is crazy. We, we can't take this. Let's get on a plane and get the next flight out. Man, uh, we prayed. We, we sought the Lord. He provided a way out and we got to continue teaching and preaching the word of God. And God worked through that in ways that we could have never imagined. But we didn't turn around and go back, right? We got to continue to press forward. And Jesus made a way for us to continue. And so, what is the mission uh, that Jesus has called his disciples to, right? What was worth facing a storm to go to the other side for? In Mark 5, we learned that Jesus was taking his disciples to the land of the Gatherings, right? Uh, and, and this is a big deal because this is the first and only time in Jesus' ministry that he goes outside of Jewish territory. It's the first and only time in, in, in Jesus' entire ministry that he's venturing outside of Jewish territory. And this would be culturally taboo for, for the, these Jewish men to, to, to leave Jewish territory, right? Uh, they would be uneasy about it. They probably had this feeling in, in the pit of their stomach, like, Wait, what? why are we doing this, Jesus? Why are we going over there? Why are we going to these unclean people, right? Why are we going to, uh, to, to these people that, for, for all intents and purposes, that they despised, right? Um, in the back of their head, they'd be questioning why they're, they're venturing into this pagan Gentile land. Uh, it was probably their first time ever going there, right? And, and where and why was Jesus taking them to this land of the gatherings? And the point is that the mission will lead you to cross cultural, social, geographical, and even religious boundaries. And it's going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> it's okay. It's worth it. Me and my wife, we just moved because we, we wanted to be in a, a part of the city that's more culturally diverse, right? And so we move to, to be in a place that's different, that's crossing different boundaries, that's more, I don't know, uh, just different. But it's worth it because we know that's where God has us. Key point number two, the mission will take you outside of your comfort zone. But the cool thing is it's always going to lead you to people, yeah. right? He's going to take you outside of your comfort zone. So get used to it. Don't be comfortable. Comfortable is for, for losers. No one wants to be comfortable, Right? Man, God, if you, if you follow him as a, a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ, he's going to take you outside of your comfort zone. Again, culturally, in this time, in this day, in this place, the disciples, they'd be petrified. Man, why are we, why are we leaving? Why, why are we going to this pagan Gentile land with pe- these people that are, are unclean, that are different than us, that, 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 that don't respect our God? This is crazy. What are we doing? Right? They'd be freaking out. Why is Jesus taking us over here? Well, it's good to be outside of your comfort zone. He's taking them outside of his comfort zone, but it's always going to lead them to people. As soon as they get there, what happens? When he was coming out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tomb, a man with an unclean spirit. Immediately. Did you just know what he was doing? He said, yeah, well, we're going to go somewhere that's uncomfortable. But guess what? There's going to be people there. And people that are super jacked up that need me. Right? This dude was jacked up. Unclean spirit. He's dwelling amongst the tombs. No man could bind him. 
though not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Ugh. So these disciples, again, let's be, be in their, their mindset. They're exhausted, right? They, they just got done ministering. Remember, Jesus was teaching in, in Mark chapter 4. They were ministering all day. And he says, hey, let's get on a ship and go to the other side. And so they, they're, they're already terrified. They're going outside of Jewish territory. They're exhausted from, from teaching and, and all day. And then they're, they're rowing across the, the, the way. They encounter a storm. Like, life is crazy right now. And then as soon as they get to the land, some demon-possessed man comes up to them, Right? Oh, man, they're like, why why'd we follow Jesus? This is crazy. Is this worth it? Yes, it is. It's absolutely worth it. But we have to understand in context, this is crazy, right? These stories, they all go together. So they're exhausted. They just encountered a storm unlike anything that they've ever seen before. And as soon as they reached the land, they met a demon-possessed man that's as strong as the Hulk, right? It says that the man was naked in Luke chapter 8. So you get out of the ship and some naked man comes running up to you. Oh, in Luke chapter eight, verse 27, it says he's naked, that he lives among the dead. This dude, he sleeps in the tombs, so he doesn't have, you know, buddies, but he's got a bunch of skeleton friends, I guess. (laughs) Crazy. In Mark five, three, it talks about uh, how strong he is and he's sad. It says that he cried himself to sleep and he cut himself. This guy is desperately sad. The text tells us that this man who remains unnamed had many unclean spirits in him. And so he's tormented day and night. Uh, by these devils, by these demons that possess him. This dude's jacked up. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus gives this parable of the sower. This is what he's teaching before they cross the other side. And the parable of the sower describes a man that's sowing seed, right? So whenever you sow seed, you want grass to grow or whatever types of seed that you're sowing to grow, right? And so he's sowing the seed, and it says that some land on the wayside, and some land on the rocky ground, says that others land among the thorns, and that some land on good ground. And this parable, it represents the word of God taking root in the hearts and lives of men. That's the, the whole point of this parable, is that we're sowing the word of God, and it's going to land on all these different types of ground, on all these different types of heart, and which ones are going to take root and reproduce. It says that the wayside, the rocky ground, and the thorns were all bad ground, and they produced no fruit. And if you consider this man with carnal eyes, right? Uh, it'd be really easy for us to consider that this man is bad ground, right? This man had, had devils. This man was naked. This man was crazy. So, you know, if we're looking at this, man, this is the last person that we want to waste our seed on, that, that we'd want to sow the word of God in. He's going to reject it. He's not going to receive this, right? If we're looking, man, this guy looks like bad ground. It'd be easy for us to decide that uh, you know, we would never waste our time sowing our seed there. The seed's so precious. Why would we waste it on this man? Uh, and this ground, due to, you know, just a presumptuous spirit, uh, that, that, that he would reject it. But, but key point number three is that the mission is to help those in need of a physician. And sick people, they don't typically look like good ground to carnal eyes. Yeah. You know that? Uh, there's this guy named Saul. And this dude persecuted the church. He'd go into to places, and he'd bind Christians and take them to captivity. He'd be responsible for killing Christians, right? That doesn't look like good ground. Why would we waste our time sowing the word there? Uh, there's this guy named Mark Trotter. Have you ever heard of him? Have you ever heard his story? 
He, he talked about how he grew up on the, the wrong side of, of, of town, right? That his family, you know, they, they didn't come from the best background. Uh, how people were inviting him to, to attend upon the word of God. And he was just chasing girls, right? But man, the, the word of God took root in his heart. And it, it, man, it, it's producing fruit. Uh, myself, you know, I was selfish, a sinner. I was miserable in my pursuit of the world. I didn't seem like good ground, but people took the time to, to sow the word of God on my heart and it took root and it changed everything, right? We were all needy people that needed Jesus uh, to show up in our lives. And as we received the word and truth, uh, you know, it, it took root and our lives began to bear fruit. This demon-possessed man met Jesus and it changed everything. At Jesus' word, the unclean spirits left him, right? And, and, and he's completely a new person. Where he was previously naked, now he's clothed, right? And that's a picture of Christ's righteousness clothing him. Oh, that's awesome. This man, when he comes up to him, he's naked. By the time he, he's prostrate, right, clean, man, he, he's clothed. Christ's righteousness is now covering him. Where he was previously uh, couldn't be tamed, now it says that he's sitting with peace and tranquility, right? It's awesome. He, he's finally experienced the, the, the peace and tranquility of God. He was previously possessed and crazy, and now it says that he's free and in his right mind. Jesus heals completely. And this is the work that we're called to. As disciples of Jesus Christ, as missionaries, this is the work that God has called us to. And if you don't personally know Jesus, then this is the type of freedom that he's offering to you. You know that? He wants to clothe you of your nakedness, of your shame, of your guilt. He wants to extend his righteousness to you because all you have are filthy rags. Oh man, he wants to provide peace and tranquility in your life. Even when the things of this world are crazy around you, you can experience peace. You know that? He wants to give you a right mind. It's incredible. This is what he's calling us to, to, to be a part of. And if you don't know him, he, he's, he's offering this free gift to you. This is why Jesus was willing to cross the sea and to face a storm for one soul. And you're so nervous about being made fun of at school, right? You're, you're so nervous about being a social outcast. You're so nervous about being rejected for sharing the gospel with your friends or your classmates. Jesus was rejected. The whole city came out and told him to leave after he healed a man. Jesus was rejected. He was crucified on a cross for your sins, not his own. Jesus was rejected. The whole city came out and literally asked him to leave after working the most incredible miracle in this man's life. You know, this man, he was previously under the control, not just of devils, but of the devil, you know. And now he's made a new creature. People couldn't even identify him, right? When it, when it says that he went back into the city, it says that all men marveled because they knew what kind of man this was. And there's no way that this matches up. That, that man's a new creature, right? It was beyond explanation, it was miraculous. It was the work of Jesus, the son of the most high God. And so how could the townspeople come out and see this man that was previously crazy, see this man that, that tormented the town, and now he's in his right mind, and they still reject Jesus? Can you imagine? That'd be like Metropolis rejecting Superman. Like, what? This man just saved your town, you know? But they, they saw this man that was in his right mind, uh, but they also saw the pigs that had gone into the water and drowned. Uh, we have to understand that this was an agricultural society. And, and pigs, they weren't just dirty, 
right? They, they, they weren't just nasty animals, uh, but they were livestock and they were wealth. And when they uh, uh, said that they were bringing home the bacon, that wasn't just like, that, that was literal. We're, we're bringing home the bacon, babe, you know? That was money. That was cash wealth. That was food on the table. And so, yes, Jesus came and completely healed a man in a way that couldn't be described other than miraculous. Uh, but he also ruined the local economy. And the Bible says that, that these pigs, they went into the water and it says that they were choked. They were choked. And that word choked, it only shows up one other time in your Bible. Only one other place is that, that word choked mentioned. You guys remember what I was telling you about the, the parable of the sower? In, in chapter 4, that's the only other place that that word is mentioned. Uh, it talks about, uh, in Mark chapter 4, verse 7, it talks about th this ground that's thorny, right? And it said that some fell among the thorns. It says that the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. <clears throat> that's the only other mention in the Bible. And when we look at, at, at Mark chapter 4, verse 18, it tells what the meaning, what the significance of that thorny ground is. In verse 18, it says, These are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, these things choke the word, and ultimately, we learned that this city was thorny ground. They were more concerned about their riches, about the things of this world, about their pigs, than receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Right? But praise the Lord, this man that was previously possessed with devils was so radically transformed that he was compelled to follow Jesus. He was good ground. The least likely person. He was good ground. And in Mark chapter 5, verse 18, it says, When he was come into the ship... He that had been possessed with the devils prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to, to publish and to accomplish how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men marveled. So this may seem like a sad ending to the story, right? This, this man that was miraculously healed by Jesus comes and says, Jesus, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, no, go back home. Like, what? Why would Jesus do that? Why would he say that? But the reality is, if you know Jesus is Lord and Savior, that's what he's called us to, right? Do you know that, that Jesus saved me? But rather than bringing me home to heaven, he's left me here to tell my friends how great things the Lord has done for me and how he's had compassion on me. That's our very reality, right? But the cool thing is, this man, he was actually obedient oh man, I'm not obedient all the time, right? I'm, I'm not faithful. This man, he was obedient. He was faithful to what God had called him to, right? He published in Decapolis. And that word Decapolis, it means 10 cities. So instead of just publishing that to Kansas City or to, to Raytown or to, to Lee Summit or wherever you, you happen to live, he published it in 10 different cities. Man, you guys got to, this Jesus dude, he changed my life. He's had compassion on me. I, I was naked. And now I'm clothed in his righteousness, right? He, he couldn't help but, but share that with everybody. And, and, and the crazy thing is, this man, he was no theologian, right? They weren't even in Jewish territory. He wouldn't have grown up studying the Torah. He wouldn't be familiar with the law. But he had an encounter with Jesus that completely transformed his life forever. And that's what he shared. 
Guys, are you so worried that you don't know the, the Bible good enough? Have you personally met Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Has he had compassion on you? Has he changed your life? If so, share that. That's all. It's simple. You don't need to be a, a Bible wizard, right? You, you, man, just preach a simple message. Key point number four, the, the mission reproduces missionaries. And the message we share is simple, right? The mission reproduces missionaries. And, and the message that we share is simple. <clears throat> so some of you, you identify with the man with unclean spirits, right? This is a man that was completely broken. This man, you know, is a beautiful picture of our flesh. Even though he was strong, he was miserable. He has no righteousness of his own. He hurts, he's lonely, and he's in bondage. And, and some of you, you feel like the disciples. You're following him and you realize that, that it's leading you outside of your comfort zone. That you have to face storms. That you're going to be rejected by society, right? Whenever they rejected Jesus to leave, the disciples had to leave with them, right? You can't stick around either. But, but both of you uh, want... Uh, uh, comfort uh, and, and peace that, that came with being in the presence of Jesus, right? Both of you, we, we all want the comfort and peace that comes with being in the presence of Jesus. It's crazy. In the midst of the storm, the disciples are looking for the same exact thing that this demon-possessed man was looking for, right? They, they wanted peace in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a storm, right? So whether in the midst of a storm or in your bondage, we, we desire peace, and the, the, the answer for both of those things is being in the presence of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Yeah. Being in this book. So whether you've been walking with Jesus for a while, or, or maybe you're meeting him for the first time today, God is calling you to a mission, right? Whether you've been walking for a while or today, to know him, to make him known. And the, the goal is that others might be whole. That's the work that he's called us to engage in. And so again, we're about training you for that work. And we're inviting you as a missions team, as MBT, to engage in that work, not just here, but internationally, uh, domestically. We want you guys to be church planners. We want you guys to be missionaries. And so however I could be helpful in that, however I could be a resource in that, uh, this is an invitation uh, to be a part of missions at MBT. And so if you have questions, grab me, uh, grab Jeff, grab, grab one of your counselors. Uh, but if you don't mind, I'd love to, to close by just praying for you. Is that okay? All right. Lord, we're so thankful uh, that whenever you called us, Lord, that you called us to work that, that's greater than ourselves. Uh, you called us to, to work that's uncomfortable, where we have to be dependent on you. Uh, and you called us to work of transforming the lives of people. We weren't worthy, you know. We, we didn't look like good ground. But still, you faithfully sowed your word. And, and, and Lord, I just pray uh, that, that we would receive it and run with it. Lord, challenge us in what it looks like to be good disciples. Challenge us in what it looks like to, uh, to, to, to be this man with unclean spirits that went and published uh, how you had compassion on him in, in ten different cities. Lord, make us fruitful. Uh, ultimately, we desire to bear fruit. Uh, yeah, and, and that, that parable of the sower it talks about some 30, some 60, some, some 100 fold. Lord, I pray that uh, as I look out on this crowd, that, that people would put stakes down and desire to trust you for more. Uh, that we'd be a people that reproduce the ministry that you've given us, the word that you've given us, and that we'd invest it into the lives and souls of others, that you might be glorified. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.